putting together leadership in your ministry, please only pick those who lead from the heart. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of issues in ministry. Quote, leadership is lonely. The principle, leadership is not for insecure individuals. Okay? I do this both in the school setting. I did it when I was coaching, and I do it as a pastor. Insecure people will cause you much trouble in ministry because they will get into leadership to fill the vacuums in their own lives. Insecure people are not good leaders. Let's keep moving. Are you with me this morning? Quote by Ronald Reagan, The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He or she is the one that gets the people to the greatest things. Absolutely. So if it's about me or if it's about you, you know not much is going to happen. Okay? Have you got that? Here's the principle. Leadership is about developing greatness in others. Okay? So when we think about the kingdom and we think about our local ministries, we're thinking about developing and creating greatness in the kingdom. Have you got that? Let's move on. I think George Patton was a great leader. He said, don't tell people how to do things. How many know that that will always back stuff up? Years ago, I tried it and I found it didn't didn't work. Okay? And I don't do that anymore. Don't tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do. Let them surprise you with the results. Come on now. You're in a section on leadership. The principle, leadership is about what factor, not how, not the fact, not the how factor. Yes. Stay away from the how. Okay? Stay away from that. Peter Drucker, an incredible leader in education, said management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right thing. I've got to go quickly because we have others that are going to be speaking, but every one of these principles apply to leadership, not only in the church, but also in the business world, also in your family. Robin and I say all the time to our children and now our grandchildren, we want you to be leaders, not followers. So guess what? Every one of our children and grandchildren are going to get a copy of this. Okay? Principle number five, true leadership is doing the right thing. Just do the right thing. It doesn't mean you and I have to be right, because that will always create an argument. Just do the right thing. If you'll notice the greatest leader of all, who is Jesus Christ, he stayed out of arguments. But the religious people were always in it because he was always about doing the right thing because he knew who was right, his father. I pointed up. He knew his father was right. Quote, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. Leadership is about being an example. Pastors, if they tell you they are, but they don't lead by example, they're not. I've had people in all the years of ministry tell me, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, but they don't set an example. Have you got that? How many are having fun? Coming down the stretch. John Maxwell has so much. We have some more leaders coming in. Love our leaders. Come on in, leaders. I am modeling, I am setting an example that I'm not just telling you that leaders honor, I'm showing you that leaders honor. 
Leaders must be close enough to relate to others, but far enough ahead to motivate them. Pastors, if they're the ones that are always hanging out in the crowd and clinging with the crowd, those are not your leaders. They know how to relate and connect, but they also know how to get out in front. And if they're busybodies, they're not leaders. I, I got to watch my time because I can stay here now. <laughs> principle number seven, leadership is about motivating others. That's the principle from John Maxwell. Where did you get the principles? The Holy Spirit gave them to me. Let's move. Number eight, leadership is about influence. If you are not passionate enough from the start, you'll never stick out. Stick it out. I was, let me say that again. If you're not passionate enough from the start, you'll never stick it out. I was talking with an athlete who is over in one of the universities on the opposite coast. He is struggling. He's hit the wall. Billy Donovan talks about hitting the wall. Christians hit the wall. Leaders hit the wall. I want to know what you do after you've hit it. And he's wanting to walk away right now from college and basketball. Leaders know how to stick it out. Or my dad used to say, stay the course. Number nine, leadership is about passion. You've got to be passionate. Watch in the ministry those who are passionate long-term. Let's move. Robert E. Lee, what a great leader he was. Quote, I cannot trust a man to control others who cannot control himself. And we do have micromanagers. They're all around us. School, athletics, ministry, business. They are not good leaders. Come on now. Leadership is about self-control. If they stumble and fall once, okay, get them back up and redirect. But if it's a constant issue in their lives, they can't be in leadership. One of my favorite quotes by Ronald Reagan, surround yourself with great people, delegate authority, and get out of the way. I'm all about that. The less this ministry sees of me, the stronger the ministry will be. You should write that one down. The less the ministry sees of me, the stronger the ministry will be. John put it this way for those who are struggling that it always has to be Bible-based. I started with God's word. I'm going to end with a word. But John said it this way. I must decrease and he must increase. If you look for a person who's always trying to create increase for themselves, get them out of leadership. Get them out of leadership. I'm talking to the pastors. This would be a pastor here, so the Holy Spirit's talking to me too. If I see someone who's all the time trying to get accolades and want, they want to be the star in the ministry, star in the community, they're not a leader. Okay? Leadership is about delegation. That was the principle. Moving quickly, Martin Luther King Jr., oh, yes. The ultimate measure of a man or a woman is not where they stand in moments of comfort, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. Pastors. When you are in the thick of hell, just breaking it down for you, you'll find out who your leaders are because they'll stand with you in times of challenge and controversy. And if they won't stand with you, they ain't with you. <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> I thank God for, listen, I've used Martin Luther King so often at the school that the kids can, they, they know the quotes before I even start. <laughs> because... Because he understood, 
I got to get done here. Last quote by Max Licato. A man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back on the crowd. True leaders are not trying to be popular or to flow with the crowd. Okay? Here comes another leader. <laughs> we honor leaders. Some of our leaders have been serving out front. See, if I give you these principles, but then I don't show you and model this, then you go, what was all of that? Some of these that are coming in right now, they've been working out front. When they come in, we honor them. That's what it means to be around the table. (laughs) Uh, And the principle, leadership is not always popular, and I want to close with this scripture. How many many know the, the sandwich effect works? Positive, some things in the sandwich you don't always like, and then you close with another positive. God's word is positive. Closing scripture, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said to them, by the way, this is Jesus, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. Those are the prerequisites to top flight leaders. They deny, they carry, and they follow. I want to close with prayer. And then the next pastor is coming to speak on leadership. Father, you fire me up so bad. God, I'm simply beginning the journey of being a leader. But thanks be unto God who has caused every one of us to walk triumphantly as our next pastor comes in this session to deliver nuggets, insights, truth on leadership. Prepare my heart to write, to gather, and then to scatter all of the truths into the lives of others. In Jesus' name, thank you for the sowing of the Holy Spirit. Everybody says? Amen. Amen. Our next pastor coming up. And we're ready. Come on, Pastor Priscilla. She is a mighty warrior. So would you stand with me, please, and celebrate that. underestimated what God was going to do this morning. So if I don't have enough handouts, I'll make sure everybody gets one. Um, and Pastor Bishop, can you pass those? And... I know your hands are full, but we have another leader coming in. <laughs> we've got leaders coming in here. You should have two. There should be some uh, room on your handout for you to write and take notes directly right next to it. And I'm going to go through it pretty quickly because there is a lot. And I know uh, we have one more speaker, I believe, coming after me. So can you hear me okay? Everybody hear me okay? Uh, Do we have any more of the spiritual? There's one. If, if we don't have enough, if you give me your name, I will make sure you, you get copies of it if we can kind of share for this morning. All right, um, just to piggyback on, on what Dennis said, um, we're going to talk about uh, serving as leaders. Leader, leaders serve. 
and, and we set the example. And one of the ways we do that, or we should be doing that, is through the gifts that God has given us. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But let us have a, a moment of prayer before we begin. Lord, we thank you that you have uniquely gifted each of us to serve you. And so, Lord, as we come this morning to talk about using those gifts, we ask that uh, you use the words that you have given me to touch the hearts of those here, to help them uh, become better leaders wherever they serve, Lord. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to talk about our, our spiritual gifts, and maybe some of you have taken a spiritual gifts inventory before. If you haven't, on the very last page uh, of your handout uh, that says spiritual gifts, there is a resource where you can go online. It happens to be our denomination's uh, website, but there's nothing uh, particularly United Methodist about the spiritual gifts inventory. If you're not really uh, liking that one very much, you can just Google a spiritual gifts inventory, and there are a number of them online that are available. But our goal is to help others serve in a meaningful way so that we are using our gifts in the way God intended us to use them. We don't want to get caught up in this motion where we're moving and we're doing a lot of moving around and a lot of work, but it's not fulfilling and it's not serving the purpose that God intended it to be. And so we don't want to feel like we're going in circles all the time. Have you ever felt that way when you were doing work in the church? Well, what we do want is we want to work according to our passions, where our heart is, um, the gifts that God has given us, and then we each have a personal style or a way of work where uh, we work and relate with others, and so we want to use um, our own personal style in serving God. Um, it's like a puzzle, and unless we have all the pieces and, and, and we can put that passion and, and that gift and that personal style together, then we don't have a complete picture of who we are and how we're uh, to serve God. And, and we've got to see how all of that fits together. So today we're going to learn about who God designed us to be, how each of us is making a, a unique contribution in a meaningful way in building God's kingdom here on the earth. Now, spiritual gifts are given to us as believers for two reasons. They're given to us to glorify God, first and foremost, and second of all, to build up others and to build up the church. So how does serving glorify God? Well, our service is worship. And when we bring our service, we are actually worshiping God. And there's a scripture there for you. Um, I'm going to let you explore the scriptures on your own. Um, they're given to you in here. And I'm going to let you um, take some time and take some homework home and explore those a little more in the, um, in the uh, interest of time this morning. All right. How does serving others... Uh, how does serving edify others? Well, it builds up the church. And uh, it tells us in Ephesians that it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It tells us that right in Scripture. 
So the first thing we're going to talk about today is passion, and Dennis talked about that in his speech, and I, I was listening to him and thinking about how nicely some of this really dovetailed into what Dennis was telling you this morning. But our, our passion is a God-given desire that compels us to make a difference in a particular ministry. And I've, I think you all could tell me your passion this morning because I could have asked you one simple question that would get to the heart of it. What is it that you could stay up all night talking to someone else about and just pouring out your heart to them? That's your passion. That thing that just is overflowing from your heart, and once you get started on that subject, you can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop talking about it. I was an educator for many years, 34 years, and mine is children in poverty. And I can sit up all night and, and, and talk to people um, about that. So think about that. There's no right or wrong passion. Each of us has different passions, and God designed us that way so that God's work in the world gets done. If we all had the same passion, God's work would not be um, completed. Um, if you'll go over to the one uh, on the next page, spiritual gifts, we're going to start talking about those. Uh, a, a spiritual gift is, is given to every believer. And these spiritual gifts indicate what you will do when you serve. And when you serve according to your spiritual gifts, you serve more completely. Again, there's no right or wrong spiritual gift. Each gift is God-given, and they answer the what question. What will I do when I lead or serve? And we're talking about servant leadership right now. So your spiritual gifts are a special ability. It's a, a, a divine endowment. It's different than a talent, Okay, talents are things that are grown and nurtured, but we all know people who um, can sit down to a piano and have had no lessons or whatever and start playing the piano. That's a God-given gift. It wasn't something that was nurtured or um, worked on. Um, these are abilities that God has given us to make a difference in the world. The gifts are distributed through the Holy Spirit. And God uh, bestows those spiritual gifts for us to have meaningful service in our lives. We discover them as we talk with Christ and serve him. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and most of you have more than one. And you will discover that when you uh, take the gifts inventory. And someone came in this morning and said, they weren't sure why they were in leadership. Um, and I said, we all lead at times. You know, there are times when we are leaders and there are times when they are followers. And I'll bet when it's an area that you're passionate about, you're there in the forefront and, and leading. So um, our spiritual gifts allow us to come together and to serve better. And a major test of the use of our spiritual gifts is it being used to edify others and glorify God. 
that's how you can uh, be sure that you're using uh, a spiritual gift. There's uniqueness of the believer. God has carefully selected each believer's spiritual gift and and place of service within the body. And our servant profiles uh, are not our choosing. They're the way God designed us. And we know Psalm 139 where it talks about we were knit together in our mother's womb and God designed us uh, in a particular way. So we've each been given a unique role to play. Now, we have diversity among the believers, and each of us has a a unique design. Um, There's great diversity in our our bodies, in each of our churches. Um, Even in the, the churches that are gathered here, there is diversity. But that doesn't mean that we're divided, okay? Diversity does not mean division, it means that we're different, but we're all working for the same purpose, and we're working at it in different ways and, and using the way uh, God designed us to best serve. A healthy body will function when all of the parts work in relationship to each other. This is interdependence, and that's what we're seeing here today. We're seeing several churches coming together we're working together to uh, plan and put together this conference, and each is doing a part. Now, that does not mean that um, we all conform to the same ways and that we all look alike, but we achieve our unity through having the same purpose and glorifying God and edifying others. Now, um, Just to to sum up, the spiritual gifts are special abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. The spiritual gifts are God-given. They answer the question, what I will do when I served, and God has designed each part of the body to be in an interdependent relationship with all other parts of the body. Now, I've given you the reference. Um, there are many spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the scriptures, and I've given you the, um, the scripture references for each of them. Uh, there are some in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Then there are some more in uh, that same chapter in verse 28. Uh, Exodus, the one in the Old Testament, it talks about craftsmanship. In First Timothy, we have uh, the gift of intercession spoken about. And then in Psalms 150, we uh, talk about creative communication. So those are, are some of the gifts, and you'll see those show up on your uh, spiritual gifts inventory. Um, Our spiritual gifts help us to see the actions of others differently. This is important because it helps us understand how we work together as a team. And we have to to realize that um, Terrell's gift is just important to the body of Christ as Bishop Stacy's is. And uh, there is no one's gift that is more important important than others, and I think Dennis brought this out nicely in his uh, presentation. 
Our spiritual gifts are often confirmed through others. You've heard, uh, many of you have probably had someone come up to you and say, "Um, wow, you have a real gift um, for, for prayer. When you pray with me, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is there and um, that the Spirit is moving within me. Or you have a real gift for hospitality. I watch you when people come into the church and they feel welcomed and and you're great at at planning um, activities where we can come together as a body of Christ and see... um, each other fellowshipping together and and some have a gift uh, for that. I see someone has a great gift for it because I can see what you've set up for for this evening back here. Now we have some some cautions that we have to remember with our spiritual gifts. Sometimes we want people to do it exactly the way we do it. Have you ever had that happen where you've done something and, and the person who asked you to do it maybe was disappointed with the way it was done or the way you handled it. Um, you handled it in your giftedness, but in their giftedness, they saw it being done in another way. Um, so we have to be careful not to project what we think something should be done or the way it should be done onto others. And, and Dennis brought that out very nicely in his presentation. Uh, We can't think that our spiritual gift is more important than someone else's. We can't say, I don't have any gifts, because God has given each of us as believers a gift. None of those things uh, glorify God. Okay, um, I'm trying to to go quickly because I know we've we've got um, more time. Let me just say a a little bit about servanthood. I'm not going to go over every single one of these. You can um, study this on your own. But know that that when you serve, it's most important to serve with love. 1 Corinthians 12, where spiritual gifts are mentioned, is followed up by 1 Corinthians 13. That scripture that we often use as a wedding passage, it's about serving God. (laughs) It's about how we are to serve in love. And if we do things without love, it is not God's desire for us. It's like that clanging symbol. Um, Have a ministry mind that says Father first, and that's what Dennis was saying, so that our results are always God-glorifying. So how do we serve? We serve where our passion is, we serve where our gifts are, and we also serve in love. Now, I just want to take a minute um, and, and say something about personal style. Because um, you have to know what your personal style is when you're working with people. Some people are more people-oriented. Some people are more task-oriented. That task-oriented person wants to start the meeting on time because we've got work to do. The people-oriented person says, well, Mary's not here yet. We can't start the meeting yet. Mary's not here. And they're more concerned about the people. Or when things are going 
down the tubes, so to speak. Um, that people-oriented person wants to honor every person in that group and, and keep that group together no matter what. That task-oriented people person says, well, maybe we need to think about getting rid of uh, this person on the committee because they're not pulling their weight and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So you need to understand um, how, you, how you operate. Are you more people-oriented or are you more task-oriented? Neither one is wrong. Neither one is wrong. But you have to understand how, how you operate. There's also structured people versus unstructured people. Both of them get the job done. But some people like things laid out just right. Other people are kind of like, I clean my house. Um, I, you know, pick something up and go, oh, that belongs in that room. Oh, the dresser's dirty. <laughs> so, so I spent, you know, it's not structured. A structured person would go through the whole house and, and clean the whole house room by room. So know whether you're structured or unstructured. But leading through your gifts, bottom line is that it helps you serve God better. If you understand yourself and you understand who God designed you to be and you use what God has given you, your passions, your spiritual gifts, and your unique style, you will serve God in a mighty way and you won't feel like you're going around in circles, not accomplishing much, but um, doing what God has planned for you in this world. The second handout that I gave you has a listing of uh, a number of the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the scriptures. And those, can I borrow this for just one second? Um, There's a reference where it's found in scriptures. There's a description of it. Um, The traits that uh, are most often found with that gift. And then with every spiritual gift, there's cautions. Like um, a person who has mercy... They want to just rush right in there and, and, and do something about it. Um, and the, the procedures and, and um, maybe what the, the church policy says isn't important to them. They want to get in there and they want to do it. And so um, with every spiritual gift, there are, are cautions. And then there are possible places where you can serve. So if you're thinking, if this is my gift, where do I best fit into the church? Um, Those are listed in the last column. Okay? All right. I'm sorry I had to go through it so quickly, but uh, there's lots of room. And um, this is actually something we teach at our church, and it's like a six-week class. And there's also uh, several books that are listed at the end of the resources that you can pick up and read. They're available electronically as well as uh, paperbacks and hardbacks. So, amen. How many kind of absorbed some of that information? And and, uh, I got to tell you, with permission, I want to make copies so I can get it into this house and to others that may be connected to my life so that they can really find out, wow, these are my gifts. No wonder I respond this way in this type of situation. Outstanding. We really applaud 
that leadership that you just brought uh, to all of us. Um, we have one more before we um, are going to uh, change gears and have our second session. I want to make sure that I'm right on point. Um, and then let me take a look here real quick. And we're looking at leadership um, this morning. And um, Pastor Wilcox is going to be coming in just a moment. But I'm going to give you a compliment, all right? As I was listening, I, I'm, I'm a combo. I am a task-oriented person, and I'm a people-oriented person, so I'm schizo, okay? I am really on it, regiment, on task, but I'm also a v- very driven by people, uh, and as in what their needs are and how can I help and what are the situations in the school, and this faculty member right here seems to be off course, and sometimes that gets me in, in a mess, Thank you so much because I know what the policy is. I know what the procedure is, but right now they need a little bit of mercy. So I want to commend every one of you for the way that you're serving Jesus Christ in your home, from your heart, in your church, to your community. I know you all wrote that down, right? Because see, if it's not, first of all, from your heart to him, it's going to be a total wipeout everywhere else. So I want to commend all of you as leaders this morning. And there are many others that will be coming throughout sessions. And then this afternoon, they'll be here for an awesome wrap-up. I'm so grateful for this day. This is the beginning of great things. Amen? Let's stand and give Jesus a big round of applause. And then Pastor Wilcox is coming. He's in our presence. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at the leaders. Look at leaders. Honor the ultimate leader. Look at us as we stand in the presence of the Lord and we honor his role in our lives and his kingship, his authority, his dominion, his kingdom reigns. <laughs> Turn to somebody and high five of them and say, you're a heck of a leader. You're a heck of a leader. <laughs> Amen. Wow. What a great way. Pastor Wilcox, you're coming. Praise God. I don't have any pass outs. Praise God. Uh, uh, I just want to uh, speak with you about boldness, uh, leaders being bold. Uh, uh, If you would go to uh, your Bible, and uh, I always say when you go fishing, you carry your stuff. So when you come to church, I hope you bring your Bible. Uh, Go to uh, St. Mark. Uh, 6, 7 through 28. We're talking about leaders being bold. That way you don't apologize for the gospel. We have a lot of that going on. People's apologizing for the gospel. And then we have so much in our society now that is being okayed and, and pacified by our leaders that we have to be careful that we don't let the leaders uh, we know who died for us it wasn't the president it wasn't congress Jesus died for us so that's what we follow we follow the word of God and not what someone else say so we have to be bold Uh, if you look at uh, Mark uh, St. Mark 6th chapter 17 to 28th verse, you see where 
John the Baptist lost his head. <clears throat> he lost his head for being bold. He told Herod that he couldn't have his brother Philip wife. This is the king he's talking in there. You know, most of us, if we get around people in authority like the president, governor, we are change our language. John didn't. He told the king, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, that's what you call boldness when you can stand on the word of God anywhere, anytime, to anyone. It's boldness. When you don't say one thing in here and then a member pull you over on the outside and you change what you said up here. Because God is watching us. And God trying to create some bold soldiers. He wants someone that's going to stand on the word of God and call sin, sin, and wrong, wrong. Regardless of who said any different. If I can look at my Bible and see where it's wrong, then I'll stick with the word of God. But if I look at my Bible and I see where God doesn't change it, then I'll change. But as long as I can find where God says it's a sin, I'm going to keep saying that it's a sin. So we have to be bold. John was bold, and he told Herod that he couldn't, wasn't lawful for him to have his brother Philip's wife. Well, Herod's wife, Herodias, she wanted to kill John for that statement. She wanted John dead. So there are going to be some times that you're going to preach sermons and gospels in your church that some of the members are going to want you dead. You know, I often say that sin, sin look good when it's far off. But when it comes in our house, we start pacifying. We start saying, well, maybe they were born like that. Hmm. John, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. We have to stand on the word of God. <laughs> Whether it make you popular or not. Preaching the gospel is not a popularity contest. You'll never be popular standing on the word of God. You're only possible when you pacify and appease. Preachers that appease is popular preachers in the world because they go along with everything. They tell everybody they're right. The word of God don't back that up. And so one thing we have to keep in mind that when we leave here, we're going to meet Jesus. And he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And can no man come to the Father but by me. So if you don't have it right, everything we're doing down here is going to end up being in vain. Because you're going to meet him one day. And there come a time when we have to afflict the comfortable. And there come a time we have to comfort the afflicted. But we got to stand on the word of God. Whether it make you comfortable or uncomfortable, we have to stand on the word of God. We have to say what God said. John the Baptist here, you see, he lost his head because he didn't compromise. In prison, he could have sent a letter from prison and said, well, I, you know, I, I didn't mean it like that. He was in prison. He had time to change his mind. He had time to send the king a letter and say, well, tell your wife that, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to hurt our feelings. <laughs> the devil always leaves room for us to compromise, don't he? 
us to go back and, and back up what we said or, or, or re, you know, or do it over again. You know, say, well, I, you know, I didn't mean it like that. But whatever the words say, and if I said what the words say, that's what I meant. I meant what the word of God said. And I can't change that. I can't change that. And so some of us preach where we trying to hold people's in the church, and you got a crew that's, that's doing everything and anything, and you never preach to them because you're afraid they're going to leave. But guess who sent them there? The same man that sent them there. <laughs> I'll send you some more. And some people need to leave. Because all they do is keep mess going in the church. So if preaching the gospel, not 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 and preaching the gospel, leaders, we gonna give an account. If you notice in Revelation, God said the angels of the church. When he was talking about the pastors of the church, he didn't say the members, the angels of the church. So we gonna give an account of what we preach, how we preach, and what we say. We're going to meet Jesus one day for all this compromising, all this appeasing, all this pacifying. It's going to get you in a lot of trouble. It's in a lot of trouble. So it's not, a, it's, it's not about membership. It's about obeying God. I'd rather get a nod from God every night and say, well done. For him to be up there doing like this. Year. What in the world he doing? What in the world he saying? What in the world he talking about? And so we have to be bold. We have to be bold. Now, and like I said, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get all the accolades. You know, you, you don't get all the pats on the back. You know, you can pat your own self. But uh, you don't get them because uh, uh, people want to hear what they want to hear. Uh, people, not all people, those of us, the Bible says those of us that love the law, we hate sin. But, but you have those that still want to be in the world and in the church. And you can't be both places. God said in Revelation, I wish you were either hot or because if you lukewarm, I'm going to have to do what? Spit you out of my mouth. And so those that come into the church lukewarm as leaders, it's our job to draw them or drive them with the word. If you have no intention of living right, the word will drive you. And if you have intention of living right, the word will draw you. So we all have flaws. We are non-perfect. But the word of God will bring us to perfection. If the word is preached like it should be preached. And not compromised like it shouldn't be compromised. Standing on the word of God and calling wrong, wrong. We don't run the church from the White House. We run the church from God's house. So I don't care what the White House said. I'm trying to find out what God said. I'm not trying to find out what a man said because I don't care what a man said. When he's not lined up with the word of God, he's a liar. I don't care who he is. And I don't care what his name is. If he, under, if he don't come in line with the word of God, he's a liar. So as being men and women of God, we got to be bold. We got to stand on the word in season, out of season. When they shout, when they pout, when they come and when they don't come. When they like you, when they don't like you. When they pay you, when they don't pay you. You got to stand on the word of God.
you sit down on that? Come on, how can you sit down on that? Come on now. Come on, leaders. Come on, leaders. Oh, we ought to be on our feet right now in the presence of the Lord.